Vancouver Hockey Show, another edition of the VHS. Andrew Wadden and producer Aaron here with you. The Canucks are on a big road trip right now, as you guys know. Four games through five. They'll wrap things up Tuesday night against the Chicago Blackhawks. But just sort of recapping the week, and let's just get right into the rewind right now, Aaron, because it's been an interesting week for the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, we saw a new star debut. They go 2-1-1 and as we... We'll record this with a Tuesday win over Carolina, a 3-2 regulation victory. They lose 4-0 in Boston on Thursday. Saturday, 4-3 OT loss in Detroit, which was a game that I don't think Rick Tockett liked too much, at least in the end. And then Sunday, a pretty interesting game against the Washington Capitals, a 3-2 overtime victory there. JT Miller getting gifted the final goal in overtime. So, Here's what we know about what happened throughout the week. The 12-game point streak gets snapped, well, gets snapped, excuse me, at 12 games. So that was snapped in Boston. The loss to the Bruins and the Red Wings was their first back-to-back losses since mid-November. It's only the second time, Aaron, they've lost back-to-back games. But then people could quibble with that as well because they did get a point in Detroit. So technically, they've only lost outright in regulation once all season and that was very early in the season so just again some incredible stats that we seem to pull out for this team and 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 you know just the the season that they are having uh right now they did blow that 3-1 lead in detroit Mm -hmm. so like i said that's probably a game that rick tockett's gonna go and 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 look back on but it's interesting too because you know that detroit loss which should have been in the bag if you're up 3-1 in the third you should be able to lock it down the canucks have been uh, that kind of team i believe that was only the second time that they've lost a, a game all season after leading after uh, 40 minutes but they have not lost they haven't blown a game in regulation yet so they still get points in those two losses but still you know you see sort of bad things sort of leaking into the canucks and that's what rick Tockett has been able to you know, plug all season long. And the reason why I say that is because, of course, that Detroit loss followed the Boston shutout loss, which, I mean, of the games that we witnessed this past week, the Boston game, you know, a couple of bad bounces, those shorthanded goals. Obviously, you got to clean that up. 4 nothing game. Was it a 4 nothing game? Probably not. And I know Tockett said it post-game, you know, just a couple of bad bounces. But when you see what happened in Detroit, that's when, you know, you get a bit of cause for concern if you're, mm-hmm. you're Rick Tockett. And one thing that stuck out to me on this road trip is giving up the first goal within the first two minutes. Like, well, the, yeah, the Canucks, that's six straight you know. games that they've allowed the first goal. They were scored on in the first minute in Detroit and Boston and then 68 seconds into the Washington game. So, yeah, they get on their heels right away. And that's something that we have not seen all season from the Canucks. So. It's kind of good to to get that. And I know that DT said it on the broadcast, and I absolutely agreed with him. He said it right at the start of the third period. He said, this feels like a big period. And he's like, not to overstate it, but this feels like a big period in the road trip because you get a dub here, you move on to Chicago and you're feeling good about yourself. Yeah. Right. And DT absolutely nailed it. And then the yeah, fact that, that was they, a good third period. And they were like, no, that whistles, was a good game, fast. Aaron. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. thought, and to be honest with you, I quite enjoyed all the games. And that's why I was sort of defending that loss to Boston because I, I didn't think it was that bad of a game. It was just like the head coach said, a couple of bad bounces. And then, you know, those shorthanded goals. I mean, you're not allowing two shorthanded goals. They've only allowed six all season. 
I mean, three on this trip. So this is an outlier right now for them. It's not a problem, but it's definitely something that they're going to have to nip in the bud. If it, if it continues like this, yeah, then it is. But let's not make it out into anything than, bigger than what it is, right? But that Carolina win was a solid dub. And then, you know, Detroit played hard. You know, like you got to give them credit for the win that they got over uh, the Canucks because they're in a battle right now. You know, mm-hmm. I thought the same about Washington. I, I thought Washington was going to pull it out, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And Washington needs, they need points. They need all the points they can get. So it, it's interesting because I think what we saw this week too is the league sort of, all right, it's go time. Yep. Right. Dog days are done. You know, that post Christmas, right before the all-star break, football's going in, in the NFL. So everybody, you know, everybody's focused on the playoffs and hockey kind of becomes secondary for the, you know, sports fans out there. And then, you know, here we are, Super Bowl weekend, they get back from the all-star game and it is, it's like the, the temperature gets turned up in the NHL. They, if you want to put it up to, in, in spinal tap terms, they turn it up to 11, mate. Well, we got the trade deadline looming. So yeah. like now's the time to test, like, where do we need? Well, help? also two teams yeah. just realized we've got 30, you know, most teams have 30, 32 games left. Mm-hmm. Like we got to get going here. Right. And a veteran team like Washington, who's had their struggles all season, you know, they, they, they would know you know better than most. And they gave the Canucks a good fight. I, I, I thought that was a, a really good you know, game. And I thought, like I said, I thought all the games this week uh, were quite good. Uh, a few things to sort of be concerned about. I did talk about the shorthanded goals, three on the trip. Yeah, that sucks. That's not great. And two against Boston, too. A team like Boston is just, it's, it's a little more salt in the wound when it's the bees. And I'll say it so you don't have to. Still no goal from Mikheyev. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get there. Yeah, you're right, though. I mean, I keep talking about it on TikTok as well. Like, I just feel like I'm just hammering the guy. But let me get to that a little bit later because I do want to pose something to you that we sort of started unpacking on last week's pod, but I want to break it down a little bit further. So we will get to that. But yeah, it's a quarter of the season now. It's 21 games. Like, that's freaking ridiculous. So is your 10th bench minor. The Canucks got their 10th bench minor against the Hurricanes. And then that led to the game tying goal that was late in the second period. <laughs> Could you imagine a bench minor in the playoffs costing you a game, go-ahead goal in a game, big momentum swinging tie, you know, like that, you know, potentially would have been if that was a power or a postseason game. Like that's the kind of stuff you just, you have to clean up. And it's, you know, it's not talking and then barking at the, uh, the refs or anything like that. It's just line change stuff, right? Just poor line changes. So the Canucks, they got to get on top of that, especially come the postseason. Okay, lastly, on the rewind of the week here, I liked the gritty Sully by Wallman against the Red Wings, or again, when they lost to the Red Wings. I'm sorry. I thought it was fine. I thought it was fun. I know Canuck fans didn't like it because it was a loss for them. Still got a point, though. Let's have some fun. The NHL needs a little bit more fun. Okay, let's dive into the meteor news of the week. Start with a, I almost caught myself, Elias Lindholm. It's funny, I did a, a TikTok video after uh, his debut in Carolina, and I got the video done, Aaron, and then I realized that I had called him Elias at one point. Mm-hmm. I had to redo that part. It's going to happen a bunch, so get used to it. Last names only, man. That's yeah, let's just call him right Lindy now. or Lindholm or something, whatever. But scores twice in that debut in Carolina, which is fantastic. I mean, net front is something that, wow, I mean... You know, Kuzi was great at, right? Kuzi was fantastic of getting those little 
you know, short putts that he used to put in the net all the time. And so it's great to have Lindholm sort of present that net front once again, again on the power play. But can we also just say that first goal, how he hooked that back in on that huge shot? I mean, that was like some big bass fish in there. That was way out. And he just brought that right back in. I like that analogy. Just hooked it right out there. But you're, you know, it's too, what I, what I thought was kind of cool about that, because you did see Lindholm, like, look at Hughes, like, yeah. And what they had a, maybe a short time on the ice together, right? Maybe some discussions of, Hey, what you want to do here? I believe they had what they had one practice the night before the Carolina game. And then I guess a morning skate as and they, well. And they kind of hung out at the all-star, you know, but like, yeah, but that's a little bit different, right? Yeah. Point you know, is this, yeah. is that like he put the shot in the place because Hughes is so smart. So is Lindholm as well, right? Lindholm's been around this league is 800 games or something like that in the league. The guy's a star, right? He's an all-star. So yeah, you're right. That was just a, a great play by a, a great, uh, connection between the two and then the boston game wasn't so great you know they him and pd you know suffered the wrath of the coach in the second period saw their ice time like people are like oh they got benched yeah they did like they, they technically did but if you go and look at the shift chart like they just they got their ice limited is what i would say then they flipped the lines all around he centers in detroit that is he centers miller and besser and you know we'll see what comes of that Right, I I think they're still trying to find that right mix in the top six. We saw Hoaglander get elevated against Detroit and stayed there in Washington, consecutive games with goals as well. So I think that's something that I don't know if we necessarily have been crying about that on the pod, but we've definitely been suggesting that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, he's produced on the fourth line. Like, when's he going to get his shot? And I'm not going to say that you or I were you know on the top of the mountain like he's got to get here. But now that he's there, let him have a shot. To me, again, like I said, feels like it's long overdue, but you know, the coach made him earn it. Now he's earning it. Trust him a little, like let the, the leash a little bit more, you know, give, give him a couple more feet, right? Yeah. 16 goals, Aaron. Yeah. I'd just like to give some credit where credit's due while we're talking about this Detroit game as well. Okay. How about that PK? Seven minutes straight. Oh yeah. Totally. I want to get to the, the door off suspension in that game as well. But yeah, Hoaglander, like as Mikheyev flounders and goes 20 like 21 games that's really freaking hard to do especially with somebody with his abilities as well his shot's a muffin it's an absolute Mm -hmm. muffin he doesn't have the speed anymore sorry i shouldn't say he doesn't have the speed anymore he's coming off a knee injury that's it's hard to get back to that especially this early you know since the since the the return from the injury it's Mm -hmm. gonna take him a while Right. If he I does, mean, maybe, get back. maybe he tweaked it and, you know, and he's just a little ginger with it. Right. But there's I mean, something, there's something up with Mikhaev's game for sure. But point is this Hoaglander, let, let's just see that through for a little while. You know, beauty goal against the Caps. Great deflection goal against Detroit. Loved that. You know, he's putting pressure on, you know, the other guys that have found themselves a home in the top six, whether it's Pia Suter or, or Ilya Mikhaev. And right now it's Mikhaev who's down on the fourth line. But Suter's got to be looking over his shoulder as well. Not only that, like that could lead us into trade deadline. I thought, I thought Suter and Hogs were like really getting in people's faces in that Caps game. No, I liked them. I liked both their games. You're absolutely right. One of the great things about Hoaglander in those 16 goals is the value that you're getting out of that. Oh yeah. He makes 1.1 million. So that's 68,750 per goal. Like that ties him with Dakota Joshua. That's almost dollar store prices there. You know well, I mean? like, for standard contracts in the NHL, like taking ELCs out of this, that's third in the NHL in terms of the least amount that you pay per goal. 
That's unreal. And the Canucks have two guys tied for third in the NHL at 68,750 per goal. And we know that that third line just, yep, keep them there. I loved their game against the Capitals as well. Garland had that goal. Oh, beauty. They just, it seemed early on as the Canucks sort of tried to find their footing in that game. And yeah, they fell behind early as they've been doing as of recent. But it, it felt like it was that third line that sort of kept them in early, you know, just sort of kept that pace. They were in on the four check hard. Joshua was throwing himself around. Like, yeah, I really liked what it's off in that third line. But again, as far as top six is concerned, I really like what we're seeing from Nils Hoaglander. Mikheyev, not so much. Zadorov, though. So Nikita Zadorov gets a two-game suspension for the hit that he had on Lucas Raymond uh, coming through the neutral zone there in the game against the Red Wings. Now, you can quibble about the suspension all you want. The NHL is... You you never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates. It's a stupid analogy, I know. But it's literally like that. You don't know what you're going to get. Like, if Lucas Raymond doesn't return in that game, are we looking at five games for Zadorov? Keep in mind here, too, there was not intent. It's a headshot. I I Mm -hmm. get, like, don't get me wrong. It's a headshot. You saw the way Lucas Raymond spun out there. He didn't even know where he was for a bit. Oh, yeah, no. he, He seemed like, from contact to landing on the ice, nothing there, right? Like, yeah, no, bad, bad shot. So it's a headshot and there's, you know, people can say, well, there's no intent. Of course there was no intent, but it's the, it's a timing thing. His timing was off. He clipped him in the head. You got to pay for that. Now it's the suspension part that I think that people just can't figure out right now. Right. Cause like I said, if Raymond doesn't come back, that's going to be worse for Zadorov. So the, the NHL needs to figure out exactly what the hell they're doing come suspensions and player safety and whatnot. But for those that are upset about the suspension in general, I'm sorry, I disagree with you. You have to take headshots out of, the, out of the game. You have to. And the only way that you're going to be able to enforce that is to enforce the punishment. Now, figuring out what the punishment is in terms of being consistent with it, that's where the NHL needs to, to improve. So two games. So that means that he's coming back when they get home here yeah. to Vancouver. Yeah. So Andrew, is that game going to be a little spicy, do you think? Well, it's against Detroit. No, no, because, oh, that's right, because he missed the Washington game. Yeah. So, yeah, it's home to Detroit. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, again, it, I mean, things were no getting intent. a little, a little, things were getting a little testy in that Detroit game. Well, right? like yeah. I said, it just feels like things are going to get testy from here on out. Like, this is the stretch drive now, right? So, you know, <laughs> in Chicago on Tuesday, maybe not so much. The Blackhawks don't have a hell of a lot to play for. Mm-hmm. Canucks find themselves down. They might be a little testy, though. Yeah. But yeah, after that, once they get home, you're looking at Detroit and Winnipeg on a Thursday and a Saturday. Those are going to be tough games. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, do, do I think that someone's going to go and headhunt Zadorov? Well, if they are, they better be ready for a fight. <laughs> yeah, better be more prepared than that Cole fight. I mean, whoa. <laughs> oh my, yeah. Debrinket definitely wants to rethink that one. I, I think Debrinket just, I don't know what he was thinking. You could see it too. He wanted it. He's He was the one that wanted it. I think Cole was like, all right, okay. dude, <laughs> you want to take this ride? We can do it. But getting back to what you're saying there, yeah, will there be some spice? Probably because just, you know, again, it's that time of the year. And, you know, like a team like quick, Detroit. Quick turnaround is, too. You know, it's not like a month later. No, you know, exactly. Just, yeah. It was such weird schedules NHL has. You don't see them all season and then you see them twice in five games. One, two, three. No, sorry, four games. There's me counting live on, on the podcast again. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, I, 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 you know, th- like this is playoff hockey 
I mean, essentially, this is playoff hockey for the for the Canucks, but they, you know, they got themselves such a nice cushion right now. But yeah, for Detroit, like this is playoff hockey. So will there will there be spice? Yeah, I think there'll there'll be some spice, but I don't think anybody's going to be, you know, looking for Zadorov. And nor do I think the Brinkett's going to go anywhere near goal as well. You probably want to uh, uh, stay away from him. It feels like Elias Pettersson's been in the crosshairs a little bit with the fan base, mm. and I know he had the tough game against Boston. That one short and a goal, the effort on the back check was just awful. And I know a lot of people were making you know, a big deal about the lack of five on five scoring. He got his first since like mid January. Although he had that o- OT goal. So, regardless, guys, these are the ebbs and flows of, of the season for a, a player. Look who Petey's been saddled with. He's had a guy on his wing. He was dragging around the corpse of, 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 of Ilya Mikheyev and his lack of scoring over the last quarter of the season. You know, and we saw with Lotto, yeah, like the Lotto line, yeah, they cash in every time. But there's a problem with that, you know, you you rely on them too much, then you're not getting the secondary scoring, that's not going to work out. It's pretty obvious, right? But I think one of the the things that people are getting on with Petey about was, you know, just this whole contract negotiation. And, you know, I have mentioned that, listen, like there is a concern until he puts pen to paper, like I'm concerned about it. It's that simple. But some people suggesting that he's not worth, you know, 12 million per season. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Like, that's what the market dictates. Now, will the Patterson camp demand that much? Would they be more flexible? That's debatable and probably unlikely, but but still debatable. But at the same time, too, to sit there and go, well, he's not a $12 million player. Well, I can show you a number of comparables that say he is and, and might be even more. So listen, Petey's going to cost a lot. That's what superstar players cost in this league. If you want to have them, you got to pay for them. You know, the Matt Kachucks of the league who took less money, they're rare. And as much as I like Matthew Kachuk, look at the numbers. PDs are better. And I'm just using Kachuk as an example, by the way. But again, Aaron, like, don't, don't you agree? Or maybe you disagree. You know, like this is, this is the price you have to pay Mm -hmm. to have players like PD. Yeah, yeah, you do. But there is one thing with Patterson that you and I have talked about recently that we don't like. The Pedersen pout is back. A little bit. The body language yeah. sucks f- from time to time. Didn't didn't help that they caught him yawning on the bench <laughs> in the Detroit game as well. I mean, he's human, whatever. It's just a bad look. I get it. These morning games are, I guess, they're after, afternoon for the, the players. But I listen, it's a good problem to have with Elias Pedersen. If Elias Pedersen does pull, <laughs> again, a Matt Kachuk like he did to Calgary, and forces the hand to to get moved out of town, so be it. Like, so be it. I know that sounds ridiculous to say out loud, but, like, he's a massive asset, you know? And when the trade for Calgary and, and Florida happened, everybody praised it. Oh, look at the Flames did. Oh, my goodness. They got a 115-point player in Huberto and, you know, Mackenzie Weger. And sure, but, like, and who, who saw Huberto falling off a cliff? Nobody did. Again, point is this, though. We're not there yet at all we're not even close to being there but at the same time too like people understand he's gonna cost a lot good players do one guy that costs too much right now is Ilya mikhaev at 4.75 million he is worth what he's i mean he's on a fourth line right now he's not even worth a quarter of what he's making at the moment now some people can push back and say it isn't always about the counting stats with mikhaev and you're right about that he does kill penalties you know so he's a special team guy but I'm just sitting there looking at things when it comes. Well, you, you compared to it earlier. No, Holglander, cost per goal. Yeah, 
I could pull up Mikheyev here. What's the point? We know it's a lot. Dakota Joshua, too. Better cost per goal. Yeah. Now, Dakota Joshua could find himself being like an Ilya Mikheyev, though, in the next little while. Ilya Mikheyev got paid for, you know, what? I believe he scored 20 in Toronto, hit free agency, and, and got overpaid. That's what happens at free agency. So, Dakota Joshua, good luck to you, because you, you might be one of those guys as well. Now, following that up is the hardest part of the whole thing, right? And in the, in the case of Ilya Mikheyev, I, I would say that he's failed at that right now. You can't go a quarter of the season without scoring goals if you're playing in the top six. Just You just can't. And with the value of that contract right now, like if you took that 4.75 that they have with him and you added it to the current cap space that they have, which is at 1.8, like you're looking at like six and a half million dollars that you could be playing with right now. And with the roster that the Canucks have today, it's not going to be the same next year. Again, talking about Peter Patterson, he's going to make a, a lot more money. Hironic's going to get paid. OEL. Yeah. Hironic's going to get paid a lot more money. OEL's money hits you even harder next year. There's a whole bunch of UFAs that they have to fill. I believe it was nine, I think we talked about, with 11, I think, with the two RFAs. So again, like this, it, it's like, it's the perfect storm right now. It's the perfect salary cap storm, because that's really what you have to have. You have to have guys that are performing well on cheap tickets. And you're seeing that right now with Joshua. You're seeing that right now with Hoaglander. I mean, there's an argument as well. Pia Suter, what's he making? Two mil? But at four points, like you, you just, you can't justify that right now. Here's my argument. And I don't, I don't want to sound redundant because I did sort of get into it last week as well. But like I said, if you can get that 4.75 off the books and then add that with that current space, like that could get you, you know, another NHL depth defenseman. Maybe some center depth. I feel like they need it on that fourth line. I have not loved Nils Amon's game over the last little while. I'm not going to pick on Nils Amon, but I feel like maybe if you add into that top six, then maybe you already have that center depth. If you are able to move somebody into that top six and then it bumps down Bluger, bumps down Suter, whatever it is, you know, maybe you feel that down in the AHL. And I know I heard um, Dollywall talking about this on on D and D this week. You know the fact that. You know, Rutherford, what year was it when they won those back-to-back cups in Pittsburgh? Like, they had Rust and Gensel, like, down in, in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. And, you know, they came up and, and, and they added them in the, in the playoffs and whatnot, and they were an integral part of it. But, like, you know, maybe they have that in Abbotsford. Like, maybe that's the plan with Pod Colson. Saw the other day on socials, he scored a really nice goal. Looks like he's having a decent season down there. So I'm just wondering, like, exactly, you know, maybe they feel like they have it there. But if you could get Mikheyev off this season and be working with what you have now, it would open up so many options for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, I know he's got a modified no trade. I believe it's 12 teams, something like that. So there would be some work involved. But Aaron, if I trust anybody in the NHL to be able to work themselves out from underneath that contract, it's Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvey. Good stuff this week, Aaron. Lots to dig in. And oh, listen, like I said, looking forward to the rest of the season right now because it, it does feel like the level of play is leveling up now. And this is the best time of the year for uh, hockey fans. Super Bowl is over. Football is over. Go time for the NHL right up until April. And then the real games start to happen. And I cannot wait for this city to be buzzing with playoff hockey once again. Because there's really nothing better in the city than when the Canucks are in the playoffs and the city's all ingrained in, in what's going on. Big games coming up at the end of the month, too, and most of them at home. So, yeah, like Chicago tomorrow. Yeah. Red Wings, 
Jets, then another quick little road trip with an 11 a.m. West Coast time start for Minnesota, which is just so weird on a Monday. But Let me pull up something here. Our buddy Jeff Patterson was tweeting something about the, the fact that the Canucks have played the most. Uh, here it is, yeah. Uh, Canucks 29th road game of the season. That's the most in the NHL. So after the game on in Chicago on Tuesday, 17 of their final 28 at home. So you got to like that from the Canucks as well. J-Pat, digging up the numbers as he does. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. And uh, if you're not following us on our socials, you can find all of those at sportshouse.ca. Also want to shout out our friends at 9 O'Clock Gun. Uh, supplied us with a few hats to wear. A shout out, Rich. Check out 9oClockGun.com. They make some of the best hats in BC. All right, everybody. Talk to you next week.